Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. Agile for Humans is brought to you by Audible.com. Get one free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash agile. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, including Scrum, The Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time by Jeff Sutherland, and Crucial Conversations by Carrie Patterson. Visit www.audibletrial.com forward slash agile to enjoy your free audiobook today. Processes and tools dominate today's agile discussions, but we are devoted to the individuals and interactions that make it work. From the beginner to the veteran practitioner, we have something for you. Welcome to Agile for Humans. Welcome to this week's episode of Agile for Humans. I'm your host, Ryan Ripley. Joining me tonight, fellow podcaster, Tom Kegley. Tom, how are you, sir? I am absolutely excellent, Ryan. And uh, hey, you know, we're going to post this over on the Software Process and Measurement Cast, too. So uh, welcome to the Spamcast, Ryan. Well, thank you for that. And uh, hello to all of your listeners as well. So Tom, for the Agile for Human listeners, he does host the Spamcast. It is I think arguably the longest running Agile podcast, probably one of the the more successful ones out there. So if you don't listen to it now, uh, we'll get some links in the show notes. Be sure to check it out. Tom has a great panel of guests, always some interesting conversations. Like I said, it is one of the better ones out there. So really a a real treat to have Tom with us. And he was uh, kind enough to tell me uh, recently, the last time we spoke, we made the top five episodes. So we're going to try hard to uh, see if we can bump up a few spots here. Excellent. To the moon, as they say. That's right. You know, this conversation really started, I think we were going back and forth about certifications, and it might have been on Twitter or a Skype chat, and we we paused. So being podcasters, we're both like, wait a minute, save it for the podcast. (laughs) And uh, because you don't want to lose a good conversation to Twitter, it's better to record it. But uh, we were going back and forth on some certifications. And so, Tom, I'll let you tee it up, because I think you had the stronger viewpoint at the time. But, you know, when it comes to these Agile certifications, where is your mind at, especially, 
you know, Scrum Alliance just came out with the new uh, certified Agile leadership certification. There seems to be a new safe certification coming out every other week. You know, where is this going and, and kind of where, where, how have you framed this phenomenon? I have suggested and I think made the logical argument that the the certifications that we're seeing at this point have a lot of positives to them, but they're also a reflection of the end of Agile as a movement. Not that Agile is going away, not that techniques are going away, but very frankly, what we're getting is a whole bunch of, you know, a balkanization, let's say, of Agile. Every different set of techniques is setting up a certification which enforces boundaries which says you can't leave this boundary to be a kanban and have a kanban certification you you have to follow these rules to be a scrum master and god knows that there are all sorts of different certifications for scrum master you have to go this route there is you know these are hardening boundaries which says that innovation, change, those sorts of things, that's, uh, you know, that's a thing of the past in my estimation. So that's interesting because we're supposed to inspect and adapt and then make changes and then do some more ins- inspection and adaptation. It's almost like a, a constantly running experiment about our practices. But if we've put up these walls, uh, like you're saying, so we've, we've certainly hit some boundaries especially when you have the rules of your certification. If you're a safe practitioner, there are rules and processes and, and ways that you're supposed to conduct yourself. Suppose you're right. It does kind of take the, the spontaneity and, and the continual learning type culture away from the practitioner. Yeah, I think it certainly does. I think, again, there are, there are different professions where certifications are important. My son-in-law is a tattoo artist and does piercings. And very frankly, there are certifications involved because very frankly, he has to know how to deal with blood, with sterilization. He, There are very hard and fast rules, hard and fast boundaries of what he can and can't do. That makes a lot of sense. I hope that my you know, the pilot on the plane that I'm going to get on tomorrow morning has a license, which is a form of certification, which extends boundaries. I I'm not sure within certain certain areas I want them inspecting and adapting and jumping outside and doing experiments. <laughs> you know, I, I maybe maybe Sully Sullenberger needed to do an experiment, but as a rule, I don't think we want them to. But again, when you're dealing with the stuff that we deal with in terms of writing code, testing, those sorts of things, we're always looking for a better way. And very frankly, if we do an experiment and it takes us outside of that that set of rules that we call are important for our certification, I don't think anybody's going to die. But we may find something new. Now, again, I think certifications allow us to have uh, and and have a realistic language and in some cases know the secret handshake amongst people. Those things, you know, have some value. They do create boundaries. It does start the we they thing, but you know, when it gets too you know, too clustered, it stops us from going down that path of of learning. You know, in your practice, what do you see, Ryan? Yeah, I see 
there are there are certainly first tier type of certifications, and so when you're looking at uh, let's say job postings or when you're trying to hire coaches, things like that, uh, certainly the CSM is always listed. Like that is a a first tier Scrum Master certification, and I personally I'm a big fan of both Scrum.org and uh, Scrum Alliance, and so I think the PSM and the things that Ken Schwaber has put together a good curriculum, an interesting way to get started, fairly equivalent to to what the the CSM gives, but the, those are clearly first first tier. What I've also noticed though is that some of them just don't hold up as far as a as far as having the value at a hiring type of situation. You know, the HR departments are very specific. If you have a PMI ACP, which arguably could be one of the better certifications only because it's not rigid. So it is a, it's a wide spectrum of questions over many different frameworks and, and different concepts of agility, but it doesn't lock you into anything. So perhaps they actually found an interesting way to, to test people. But overall, what I find, especially working in, within a group of coaches like I do now, we typically, we're not taking the certifications all that seriously, to be honest. What we're doing is we're enjoying the journey that it takes to get there. And so what I mean by that is, you know, the let's talk about Scrum.org again for a minute. They have the PSM2 and PSM3 uh, certification. So the PSM1, that's the you showed up for a class, uh, you have a pulse, and uh, you survived two days. And that's that's basically the CSM or the, the PSM. For Scrum.org, you can actually just pay the fee and take the test. You don't have to show up to the class, but it's a similar concept. It's, it's very entry level. They have a level two and a level three. The level three is uh, a mixture of a of multiple choice and 35 to 40 essay questions that you have a two-hour time box to answer. So it is an incredibly difficult test to pass. And so the process of preparing for it and trying to be ready for that type of assessment, it, first of all, it requires real-world experience, but you also have to really sit down and get your thoughts together and be very clear and concise about what Scrum and Agility mean to you. And you have to internalize it and really bring those lessons uh, home and I enjoy that process. And so whether or not it was one of the few times where I took an assessment and I thought I don't even care if I pass this thing. This was a lot of fun just to take it and I actually learned a lot just trying to do that assessment. Now fortunately I passed it and it's a very interesting certification to have, but uh, I think it's the journey that a lot of coaches are are focused on at this point at least from what I'm seeing rather than, you know, putting the the three letter acronym after your name and up on LinkedIn and, and calling it some kind of badge of honor. I understand that. And I think journeys are good. I think any proposition that helps people learn is important. But at the same time, putting all of that effort into getting that certification, even if you don't, sticking it on the end of your name in LinkedIn, I think that really does start to work very hard on creating boundaries. It, it says that these things are important for, for CSM, and it doesn't necessarily, and again, it, it could be that I'm misinterpreting, it doesn't necessarily say your goal is to challenge and explore all of those things, especially with Scrum. It's like, why are these, you know, the things that that Beeble and Schwaber and, and Sutherland put together way back when, why are those important? Why can't we get rid of them? Why can't we challenge them today and still be agile? 
Yeah, it, it's an important question. And I think that we can take this situation and turn it into a really good way to screen potential coaches, coworkers, and things like that. So if you do actually find yourself in an interviewing process, or if you're just talking with other coaches to gauge where they're at, if you find that they're enjoying those boundaries and they're refusing to have those types of conversations, I think that tells you something about uh, the coaches that you're talking to. And it could mean that they're early in their in their in their journey, or perhaps they've just adopted those those boundaries, and they think that's that's all well and good. But to me, it would just say this is not a person who's embraced experimentation yet. I need to either partner with them, and we can help coach them up, or perhaps this is someone that wouldn't be a good fit. So maybe we can take that and use it to our advantage to know that uh, perhaps where they're coming at, and if they've really embraced you know the agile manifesto and taken it to heart. Uh, but I, I agree with the the situation you bring up where. You know, there are some some really rigidity that comes in with uh, with these certifications, and if we're not careful, uh, we become we become victims of our own dogma. Yeah, I, no, no, no disagreement there. And very frankly, obviously, the mindset of the individuals has a lot to do with that. Someone with a growth oriented mindset is going to always be looking to grow, to take new challenges, to challenge boundaries. Uh, whereas those with a more fixed mindset, and I, I guess I'm sort of challenging Carol Dweck tonight, but but they're going to take a fundamentally different approach. And, and I don't know where where the balance is. Uh, the again, part of the whole discussion of certifications I, is that I think it is important to have a common language uh, without getting into the crazy secret handshake kind of stuff. But at the same time, a number of those certifications now have started to extend into the product companies so that so that it's tied into their vision of, what agile is and which gets instantiated into a tool which which makes the boundaries even harder uh, <laughs> around them and and again that's you know my concern if if there is a concern uh, and and I always say that if it is truly a concern because I do think that everything has its day in the sun and then something else takes its place. You know, so over over the years there have been many great movements within IT, even though we're a, a relatively young profession still. It, it, those have come and gone and they've been replaced and things have been built on top of that. So I'm not sure that what we aren't seeing really is is sort of that that late majority kind of maturation that goes on. Everybody's, you know, the certifications in a lot of instances are, you know, either tied to tools or tied to organizations that are attempting to, and this is going to sound sort of crass, make money in terms of the certification. That's what their goal is. And and, and people who fall out of the certification uh, are are sort of lost clients in that kind of scenario, so that we're we're to that point in the the sort of life cycle of a concept, whether it's agile, whether it was uppercase, whether it was the great quality movement back in the eighties and nineties. So all of these go through that sort of that that life cycle. And then near the end, the boundaries start to harden. And then, and then something new has to grow up to break those boundaries down. I hope we're not there. And because I, I think that 
there's definitely a money grab going on. I think make no mistake about that. There are certifications out there that are, are doing that, and I do think it's damaging our industry. But if we are at the point to where Agile and Scrum and Kanban, and I'm sorry to the listeners out there, Kanban. Um, <laughs> I'm just an Indiana boy, you know? It's it's Kanban and a Crick instead of Creek, but... I'm, I'm well, sorry. Come when, 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 when I go down, when I go down to uh, Louisiana, I do the Kanban, so it's yeah. okay. <laughs> but exactly. But as soon as we we start talking in these terms, you know, it would be disappointing to see these 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 great ideas go out of style because I don't think we've gotten them right yet. I think there's so much there for us to mine. We've just scratched the surface of what Scrum can do for companies. We just haven't gotten there yet, and it's already jumped the shark. And it's just that to me is kind of a depressing thought. What takes us? What what would take us away from? that edge and to to make sure that Arthur Fonzarelli isn't off to jump the shark at this point. <laughs> well, I think part of it part of it is how the movement was born. May have may be one of its weaknesses. And I think this one will generate a lot of hate mail and some angry tweets, but it start it started as a developer play. And I think the mindset of the Agile Manifesto and Scrum and some of these other frameworks, they stayed in that kind of developer play for a while. And what happened was, I think we ignored the business. I think we ignored middle management. I don't think we were worried about meeting the needs of the people paying the bills. And that left a gap. And that allowed something like safe to pop up. And I think Dean Leffingwell did a brilliant job of meeting a need in the market that wasn't being met by, you know, Scrum Alliance, Scrum.org, Agile Alliance, who was ever out there that was in play at the time, he was able to come in, cargo cult scrum, add some new terminology, make it so that businesses didn't really have to fundamentally change outside of IT. He was able to really create a movement there. And I think other people caught on to that. And so now you have, um, there's now the Enterprise Agile certification that's popped up, and that's another certification group. There's there's less certification. There's all these things that are meeting these gaps that I think perhaps um, you know the market had a need and, and they were filled, but it, it really has become mainstream. And I think, like you said, it's we're in that late adopter. It's hit that mainstream. So what pulls it back? I, I think we have to get back to the roots of why these ideas were appealing in the first place. And it's really that, that, that idea around a product and around getting rapid feedback about a product and getting it to market quickly and serving a customer need and, and meeting those gaps that, that our stakeholders have and, and really getting back to that idea of serving those who are, who are writing the checks and, and trying to get back to that customer focus. I think that, for one, helps. I think the other one, if we're going to have these certification bodies, I think as a, as a community, uh, there should be some scrutiny around this. And I'm not saying we should regulate certifications, but there should be an open discussion around the role that certification plays in our industry. Are we looking to, to create a professional track w- within the software development or software engineering profession? And if we're doing that, let's, let's, let's do that before... You know, let's say the government steps in and, and does that for us or, or some other body. But maybe it's time that we take another look at the Agile Manifesto and we look at these frameworks and we decide, are they applicable today? Are there gaps? And, and perhaps we try to pull it back that way. So maybe maybe I'm a little too radical. And I would argue that unless 
and, and no no pun mended there meant there um, unless something or, or the certifications that we're doing are enabling the principles behind the agile manifesto that none of this works and that it really had it, it becomes something else when we abandon the principles again that that sounds maybe a little bit too hippie like but very frankly you know this this it began as developer and then sort of became something else over time is very much the same pattern of of all of the other frameworks. So if you go back in time, you know, take your way back machine and go back in time and you look at what was happening when the CMM before they put the eye on, you know, fancy eye on the end. When you go back there, it was something that was a team level. It was adopted by developers and testers and people in the trenches to to try to make their lives better. And then it it then evolved up and was grabbed by you know these these larger areas and again became rife with these other things that 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 sort of took us in a different direction. So it became something different. Didn't mean it went away. It just be, it stopped being a principle-driven movement. That's the same thing I'm seeing with Agile at this point. We've, we've stopped worrying about the 12 principles. What we've done is said, okay, let's be pragmatic. Let's let it make it fit. Okay, if we have to do, you know, Itterfall and, and other things, let's not have a discussion about worrying about whether a team is self-organized or whether or whether or not we really create cross-functional teams. Let's fit into what it is. And that, I think, that's, I think, stealing the soul and then allows these other things to make it to make it harder to to get back at that. So perhaps what we need is a reformation. We need a <laughs> a not to get uh, too biblical, but it's you know perhaps a reformation and maybe a reaffirmation of uh, the principles and really well, and really having open discussions about you know and I everyone picks on safe. I, I there are some very good things in safe. This is not an anti-safe podcast or episode by any means. But let's take safe and let's pull that apart. I'm, and let's. I'm a safe program consultant. Well, so there's always good, and and this is where they probably take it away from me. There's stuff to steal out of it that is really interesting and that you can leverage absolutely in a principled manner. But I think looking at these processes and and just saying how do these really stack up against the manifesto? Have we lost our, our way with the principles? And having those open conversations, I think that. Perhaps the and maybe I having a little a moment to think about it. Perhaps it's the dogma that's put us on the edge. Perhaps yeah. it's the the blind acceptance of something that's stated. We just believe it's fact. Uh, we've never challenged it. We've never examined it. We just uh, practice it and check off that box and move to the next thing. Perhaps it's just more critical thinking about uh, the steps we're taking. Whether we're doing Scrum, Kanban, Safe, whatever it less. Dad, I think there's a thousand more now, but whatever it is, drop the dogma, inspect and adapt what you're doing against the principles of the manifesto. Make sure it's in alignment. You know, make sure there's some congruence with what agility means, which is the four values and 12 principles, and, and go from there. And if those conversations happen, perhaps we could pull it back. 
I'm I'm there with you. So let's uh, let's get that on a piece of vellum and find a uh, a cathedral door and nail it to the door and have that <laughs> conversation. Yeah, well, might as well. If we're going to use the word Reformation, let's go whole hog. That's right. Luther would be proud. <laughs> but uh, it, it's just one of those that, and and you know what, the the parallels to that story are are pretty pretty good. I think it was an acknowledgement of some practices that were not in line with with scripture. And, and so of course there was a split and uh, maybe that's where we're going to, maybe there is a, maybe there's a movement coming up where people will just want to embrace the manifesto, drop some of these certifications and all of this, this pomp and pageantry that has enveloped agile, you know, really stole our word. And and perhaps, you know, getting back to those basics will become important. I hope it it happens. And I, you know, if, if the listeners out there, if you have some thoughts on, what it takes to get back to the manifesto and to get out of these 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 worlds of dogma and some of these walls that Tom's talking about. I think we'd both love to see comments uh, on the websites. But uh, I don't know, Tom. Yeah. Is that? Do you think it's even possible at this point, or has it just? Well, I think again, I do think that there is a post agile age coming, and and, uh, and this is not. I'm not. This is not trying to be the prophet, right? I do believe that we've come to a point where there will be something next and that's something next whether it's the it's you know some sort of involvement in terms of just flat improvement and and something along those lines somebody will come up with a really nifty name for it but i think but i think what we're describing as getting back to the principles and leveraging those principles to determine how to work to so that we can inspect and adapt and make changes and get better at what we do and deliver more value. I I think that that's how we pull back. But it probably ends up being something that that isn't the agile movement from, you know, the 2000. And that's probably going to be okay. I I think there will be some resistance though. I I was looking at some numbers getting ready for this talk. Um just in 2016 and and I think these numbers are rounded a bit. So they're not exact, but you know, let's say Scrum Alliance just on their CSM certification. Mm-hmm. I think they certified around eighty thousand people in twenty sixteen. Wow! And so you have, and, and I believe there's well over half a million people walking around with CSMs right now. And so you have this group of people who have invested a couple thousand dollars uh, of their money and time uh, to get this this certification. So there's some kind of entrenchment there. What I found interesting, though, when you, when you query these numbers, and maybe this is indicative, too, of just an observation about the certifications, if you look at the next level, so for those not familiar, if you check out Scrum Alliance, they have the CSM, which is the entry-level certification. The CSP, the Certified Scrum Practitioner, is that second level, and it requires uh, quite a few hours of outside training and classes and participation in the community. There's five different levels of I think there's now five different levels of uh, continuing education credits, things like that, that you have to document. But you also have to document, I believe, three years worth of experience as a practitioner. And so it's, all, it's both experience and training based. Out of the 80,000 know, in 2016 who were certified as CSMs, only 1,500 took that next step. And so that, that's kind of perplexing to me that... That while a lot of people are getting that entry level, it seems like 
the community at large has just moved on and they're not taking that second step. I don't know if that's encouraging or discouraging is depending, I guess that depends on whether or not you are a fan of certifications or not, but it's at least interesting to think through that these second level, these second tier certs are not getting nearly the adoption mm-hmm. that, uh, that these first tiers are. When you were doing a research and looking at job applications, are they being asked for? Yeah. So in, in the job applications, if you look at Indeed or Hire, you know, some of these other sites, Monster is still out there. Uh, CSM is prominent uh, mm-hmm. on these applications. CSP uh, certainly comes up. You know, what I see, and again, the listeners out there, if you want to provide another angle or insight, what I'm seeing really is CSM, CSP, and PMI ACP. So basically yeah. the Project Manage- Management Institute's Agile certification, along with the, the first and second tier of Scrum Alliance. Interesting. You know, the, and, and I'll shift gears for just a second, as part of my role elsewhere in the industry, I'm the president of an organization that has a set of certifications. And the whole, there's, there is, and again, there are positives to the certifications. There are substantial negatives to the certifications. And, and I know that I'm sort of talking both ways. But at times when you're constructing these things and looking at the revenue flow out of them, back to the organization, back to the association that you belong to, you start, if you're not very careful, to think about the revenue stream more than you think about necessarily what the value to the industry. So so having, you know, if you think about something like the CSP, which requires all of these other things to get there, that's that's a substantial pull, both to your vendor community, to your partners, to the organization itself, to the conferences. So it becomes integral to managing the organization from a financial point of view. And that, again, after time, one of the knocks that you hear about PMI with the, with the PMP, it, after a time, that becomes the goal. And as soon as that becomes the goal on the association or whoever's running the certification, I think they've lost their way. If you were to ask any of the major certification bodies in the Agile community, you know, how often or how difficult is it to update the courses or to mm-hmm. change the test or the examination? There's a lot of heartburn there because it, if the test is considered too simple, it loses value, they lose revenue. If it's too hard, same, same deal. You know, if, we, if the trend is true and if you look at even the, the scrum.org side, the higher tier certifications are you know, 2% of the community moves on to take those tests at best. You know, you start impacting your bottom line. I, I, I think when those considerations crop in, I think they have cropped in. You lose even agility at the ability to update a test, which I think is another sign that, that perhaps they've lost their way. I would think that an agile organization would have regular updates to the exam as they learned things about the test. You know, we learned that a set of questions uh, wasn't great, so we swap them out. But then the trainers have to change the way they teach the class because the questions have changed and that's expensive and the trainers don't want to change. They want to yeah. 
to go through and teach the course and, and keep moving through student after student. And who can blame them? It takes a long time to put together two days of material. So you have this cascading effect of, of not being able to change, which is interesting to me, especially when you're trying to certify Agilus. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's hard. I had a conversation late last year with the folks. the The organization I'm talking about is is all volunteer. So, so these are people who give their time to do this. But they had been walking through and collecting data for it's a worldwide certification, and so they've collected basically three quarters worth of of certification data, and we're we're doing some fairly aggressive mathematical calculations on on every question. And and the pool is obviously much larger than than the test because it's all electronic. But but they can tell the bad questions and and those had to go. And we actually had to go down the path of actually changing the delivery company to actually be able to cost effectively change the questions on the exam. So, you know, it can be it can be that it, it that it's not only a loss of agility in terms of recognizing it, but every time you do touch a test there's there's a lot that goes on in the background. And again, why can't we approach that so that you can have a new a new layer in every two weeks if you're running a two week kind of sprint in that circumstance it 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 may not be possible but why not challenge the organizations that are doing certification in our market to run themselves as an agile organization wow that'll probably get some tweets tom <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm uh, yeah, firebombed house. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Bring it on. But you, you know, with all that said, so now what certifications are you working on this year? <laughs> um, I'm actually not going to do certifications this year. I've yeah, I've got enough. Um, they're fun. Yeah. So I don't think I'm doing any this year in terms of becoming more certified. I'm actually working on a couple of books. So that's that's taken up my time. Yeah, so I, I have Alphabet Soup after my name. I'm considering, uh, I'm actually intrigued by what the Scrum Alliance has come out with, with their certified Agile leadership. Oh, cool. Uh, I may pursue it. Mm -hmm. I, these days, so if we accept that, that, you know, there's certainly issues with certifications. I think every certifying body would agree with that. I don't think we're saying anything brand new there. I've also, I've really pay, tried to pay attention to the actual instructor. And so I think that can be a way, you know, at the very least, at least you can turn it into two days of working with the industry recognized experts, quote unquote, you know, if you, sure. if you're going to do the CSM and you can do it with Sutherland, uh, go do it with Sutherland or go find Mike Cohn or go find all the names in the industry. You know, if you're going to do the scrum.org site and, and, and if Ken Schwaber is deciding to do a course this year. Well, it'd be foolish not to try to get in, get into Ken's course, right? That that can be an interesting way to to add value to that certification path. But if it's not possible, there's plenty of other great. So now I don't want the hate mail from all the other CSTs and PSTs that, hey, we're just as good. And it's yeah, I there's a many many great teachers out there. But I think being uh, cognizant of the teacher that you're going to to see and, and work with can actually help enhance the experience uh, as well. 
Absolutely. The person that you learn from informs your culture, your individual culture. And uh, there's there's nothing wrong with that, assuming that you don't let it get brittle. I've been very fortunate. There's some some great teachers out there. Uh, a lot of them have been on this show. You know, Jason Tanner, Aaron Copel are just a couple that I've learned a lot from. And in every one of their Scrum Alliance courses that I've taken from them, you know, they're very clear about here are the books you read next and here are the things that we try to learn. And if you have questions, send an email and and be open to experimentation and embrace lean startup alongside of Agile and Scrum and, you know, try to bring those ideas into your practice. And it's really, you know, those kind of teachers I, I give a big thumbs up to because at least there's the admission that this material is a starting point. But really, your whole career and your whole practice, you should be continually learning, just as we expect our software teams to, to do so as well. You know, we, we kid a little bit about being podcasters and wanting to share this conversation. But the physical act of doing what we do, of reaching out, having these conversations, sharing these conversations, I suggest that one of the reasons I've been at this for, you know, hair over 10 years now is that it is one of those learning paths. It allows me to sit at, you know, people's feet, you know, to listen to you talk, to have a conversation with people that that I wouldn't necessarily because I don't get to go to every conference. You know, listening to your show, I get to hear people that, you know what, I may not talk to in a couple of years. I think that's something we bring to the industry. I, I certainly agree. And it's even an opportunity uh, to talk to people you may not may not agree with everything about. You know, I the, sure. the listeners will actually hear I don't mean you. <laughs> that wasn't a dig. But no, uh, that way. No, though the Agile for Humans listeners, I think this one will come out after a conversation with Steve McConnell. So Steve McConnell uh, had a huge impact on my career very early on. Rapid development, code complete. These are books that everyone should read. Uh, his software estimation book is, I think, foundational to being able to estimate software if that's what you have to do. But I'm also a very big proponent of no estimates. And so talking to Steve, I mean, clearly he does not have, I should say, it's clearly he is not in alignment with the no estimates movement. His ideas are are very counter to that. But talking to him forced me to to challenge those ideas. And it also put a different perspective out into you know, the thousands of listeners that, that you know, we, we all have on these podcasts. And, and I think that's valuable. So even being able to get someone on the show that you may not agree with completely, but have a lot of respect for, and, you know, be able to talk through those things respectfully, clearly, and, and put multiple viewpoints out there. I think that's even huge as well. All in. And very frankly, if, if you can't go and you can't take classes, these are a, a great tool. To yeah, well, even if you can't, a great tool to actually supplement all of that and keep your boundaries fluid and moving forward versus getting trapped in a silo that's defined by three, four, or whatever you know set of numbers and letters after your name. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the most important. You know, continue to learn, um, keep reading, keep listening. If you can get to the conferences, I, I mean, I don't know about you. My, my conference life is not going to be much, much longer. I, I'm finding that I really love seeing a lot of the, 
there's a lot of conference friends, right? So you, this, yeah. the, the people go to the same conferences and you, and you hang out and I love those people. Many of them have become friends that call and text with and, and it's been great. But at the same time, you know, it's kind of like the certifications. I'm wondering if even the conference uh, circuit is kind of running its course. Yeah, it may well be. Uh, it's funny this year, I, or last year, I did a number that I hadn't done. Um, I got to go to Oradev in Malmo, Sweden. And very frankly, it was fundamentally different from most of the conferences I'd been to in a couple of years. I'd like to go back in a couple of years. I think the answer is that many of these conferences, and, and you speak at a number of them, I speak at a number of them, they're good, they're good for you know, a lot of connections, but at the same time, it takes a few years now because, again, I would suggest because of the brittleness and, and the boundaries that are being set up, it takes a few years for the, the ideas to shuffle a little bit such that you can go and see and be confronted with new things unless you change venues, unless you change um, the, the kind of thing that you go to. Go to a good Agile conference. Go to a great dev conference. Go to a test conference. They're fundamentally different. They're talking about different things. Even if you can see the path to actually apply you know, the, the same lean and Agile principles at each one, the, the different paradigm that these people are, are talking about things, I think, opens your mind. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I just immediately thought of, you know, two years ago, every other talk was centered around the book Drive by Dan Pink. Uh, it's a great book, but uh, you're right. Those ideas really were cycling through. Uh, the next year, it was Turn the Ship Around, another great book. But again, um, those ideas are cycling. And so maybe that is a, maybe that is the way to go. You kind of reach outside of that normal group and you find a different path. Again, I think it comes back to... You know, let's 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 circle this back to the Agile Manifesto, right? right. It was a it was a status report, and uh, and what I mean by that, it begins. No one remembers the preamble, right? It's always uh, <laughs> it's just four values, and then there were some some principles, but we're not quite sure what those were. But the preamble is we are uncovering better ways of developing software by doing it and helping others do it. And through this work, we've come to value, and then we, we get our values and then our principles. But the idea is that we are uncovering better ways, which what they didn't say was we have uncovered the best way. And I, and I think that's important, that just to remember that this is one status report on how software could be done better and how we can help others do it. But it's not the end. And, and oh, Scrum oh. is an instantiation of this, which means Scrum in and of itself, is one way that's been uncovered, but it's not the end. And I think it's important to, to remember that. And even with the conferences, these ideas are things that we've discovered. Uh, some of them we've rediscovered. There's really, truly nothing new under the sun. But, but if, we, if we can pull an idea from the 60s, dress it up and bring it forward, it looks brand new. But it, it is important to realize we're still uncovering things every day, which means experimentation should be inherent to any Agile practice. I can't argue that. Inspect and adapt. And, and, and on everything. And that's why I think no estimates is interesting, even though I think estimation is going to be a part of software development 
for a very long time. I still think it's interesting to challenge the assumptions behind estimation and the processes. I think it's interesting to challenge uh, whether a project is the right structure to deliver a product. You know, even though projects will be the container for the work we do for the foreseeable future, to challenge that idea can teach us something about the nature of projects uh, that helps us get a little better. And so it's these conversations, like you said, it it can help move the the ball forward. If this conversation sparked an idea in someone out there, if it inspired someone to go and read the complete manifesto, I think, Tom, we did our job. Amen. And by the way, I, I was having a conversation with Alan Kelly today about no projects. He would argue that that <laughs> that's a container for everything. There is no such thing as projects. But again, we have to challenge ourselves to grow. Read the manifesto, grow, read something else, grow some more. Absolutely. And I think that's a great place for us to, to wrap it up for this talk. I think uh, if we keep going, we're really going to get in trouble and they're going to revoke all our certifications. Well, either that or we'll have to encode this at a very low bit rate or we're going to blow somebody's uh, uh, <laughs> plan out of the water. <laughs> exactly. So, Tom, this has been uh, a lot of fun. I'm glad we brought this to the, the podcast medium. Usually at this point, uh, a, a guest to the Agile for Humans podcast is uh, more than welcome to promote anything they've got going on. You can tell the listeners a little bit about your podcast any workshops, any conference talks, anything that you have coming up. If you want to uh, tease one of your books that you're working on, would certainly love to hear about those, but the floor is yours and uh, would love to hear about anything that uh, that you'd like to share with us. Thanks, Ryan. Well, let me just, you know, pimp the podcast just a hair and the blog and the rest of those things sort of fall in there so you'll you'll hear about them. I put out a podcast every week, the Software Process and Measure Me Cast, it's non-denominational. It, it it strays mostly over to the Agile line. But very frankly, it does wrestle with things like estimates. And then maybe the next week wrestles with no estimates. So it really is all about bringing information and ideas to people. The blog, which is sort of a companion piece, there is new content published eh, – Three and a half times a week. The halftime, you know, is is the fourth one. It's basically the announcement of the podcast. But in those cases, we're we're doing, you know, five hundred to a thousand word essays, usually in a four package theme on a specific project or a specific kind of information, so that so that people can get in depth information knowledge share that, get into debates on. And again, that's also where we have the list of things that are coming up for all the people that participate on the podcast or, you know, things where I'm off speaking. Next big one is uh, with the Computer Science in, uh, Institute in India in early March. So if you're in Mumbai in early March, love to talk to you. And we'll get some links up in the show notes to all of that, along with some of the certifications we talked about. This was not a talk to discourage, just to to challenge and explore. So certainly not against people getting certs, and uh, we'll we'll link to some of the the ones that we talked about. And uh, I guess for for Tom, for your listeners, just real quick, this is the the Agile for Humans podcast. Um, that's also now part of the Spamcast for this episode. 
but uh, it's really a podcast around trying around focusing on the the human side of agile so processes and tools have certainly take and certifications have come to the forefront and taken over the conversation we're trying to shift it back to the people who are actually doing the work and so uh that's that was the inception of the podcast try to have interesting guests like tom every week and uh would really love to uh to hear you there as far as talks coming up i'm gonna be at agile or adc west this year the uh, mm-hmm. the tech wall event out in las vegas that's coming up in june i'm uh whether i'm speaking or not i'm planning on hitting agile indie uh down in indianapolis uh i think in april path to agility over in Columbus, Ohio in May. Those are two must-hits just because they're local uh, and just wonderful conferences. Uh, the Agile Indie Group and Aaron Copel put together a great show in Indy. Um, CareWorks, uh, along with Faye Thompson, put together a great show in Columbus. So those are two that I, I always love to catch. Um, and we'll see if I can get some uh, other talks accepted elsewhere. We'll see what happens. Uh, but that's really it for me. The site's ryanripley.com. Uh, trying to blog a little bit more this year, but otherwise would love to hear comments. Uh, if you want to leave a message or leave a comment on on the blog site, I would love to hear your feedback about the show and, and your thoughts on certifications. Amen. And by the way, if you're listening to the Software Process and Measurement Cast, you ought to be listening to Agile for Humans. And likewise, Spamcast is uh, it's on my podcatcher. Try not to miss it. It it really far more professional and well thought out than mine. So uh, <laughs> definitely head over and talk and, and listen to Tom. And uh, leave him some comments as well. It's it's one of the it's one of the great ones out there for agilists and and just software professionals in general. Uh, really eclectic mix uh, of people. Really enjoy, uh, especially Gene's perspective on a lot of these things. His, his take on architecture, especially, uh, I think, is really spot on. Yeah, they're a fun bunch. Well, Tom, this was fun. I'm glad we did it, and I uh, just want to thank you as always for uh, supporting the show and being on the show. And uh, we'll have to do this again soon. Uh, It is on my list of things to do again. It was a (laughs) lot of fun. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to Agile for Humans. Let's keep the conversation going. Drop us a question on Twitter at Agile for Humans or visit agileforhumans.com. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and Scrum on.